Welcome to the One Small Change podcast with me, Dr. Simon Chard. I'm a cosmetic dentist, public speaker, and startup entrepreneur, but most importantly, I'm a lifelong disciple of self improvement and optimization. In this podcast, we present conversations with world class industry leaders, sharing their expertise in high performance, spirituality, business, and health. It's my job to dissect their key behaviours, routines and mindsets so that you can implement them today to create balance and success in your life. Today's episode is brought to you by Enlightened Tooth Whitening. As a cosmetic dentist, I've used Enlightened to provide tooth whitening results for my patients since I qualified. And the reason that I always come back to Enlightened is they guarantee that B1 result that means my patients are always happy with the outcome. So if you're a dentist, I'd thoroughly recommend reaching out to Enlighten to do one of their free online training courses. And if you're a patient, have a chat with your dentist today about Enlighten Tooth Whitening or even look out for one of their regional centers of excellence. Let's get on with the show. So in today's show, we have a very good friend of mine and absolute superstar, Dr. Rona Iskander. Dr. Rona is one of the most well-known faces in UK dentistry. She has one of the top clinics in London at the Chelsea Dental Clinic, where she has a list of clients, which is a who's who of A-list celebrities, with everyone from Rita Ora to Mel B. Rona is also my business partner as co-founder of Parlour Toothpaste Tabs, and together we're taking on the world of single-use plastic toothpaste tubes. Uh, And so over the last couple of years, I've really got to know Rona very, very well. We've been friends for a long time now. Um, But over the last few years, I've really got to know who she is. And uh, I can speak from the heart by saying she's an incredibly hardworking, very, very passionate and very ethical and driven individual. And I'm very looking forward to sharing those insights this evening for those people who may think they know Rona through social media um, or they've they've seen her... um, seen her on that on that route um as we were t- discussing before the call runs it's very easy to think you know someone um but actually when you uh when you go beneath the surface you, you find out so much more so anyway how are you doing welcome oh thank you so much Sai. that amazing introduction it was makes me blush and I was like when this happens like am I, what am i meant to do it's like people singing happy birthday to you you just kind of sit there like <laughs> awkwardly but so it's it's so nice to hear. I'm I'm good. I've been super busy. I think we all have during this pandemic, but really happy to be here chatting to you today. Yeah, it's so it's so great to have you on. And uh, obviously, we we chat a lot with Parlour stuff each week, but we we don't get a chance, especially over the pandemic, to to sit down and have a chat. So I'm really looking forward to to deep diving on this uh, on this call. Um, I mean, let's start off with the pandemic. And how you've been dealing with it. I mean, we we launched Parlour back in March 2020. So right at the start of the lockdown, you took over uh, the Chelsea Clinic, um, I think a couple of months before, was it January last year or a little before that? How, how have you been managing with everything? Okay, I wish it was January because I'd have a couple of months to kind of get my ducks in a row. It was actually one week before the la- national lockdown in March. So literally, it was March I was on well. holiday in the morning. Yeah, so it was one week before Boris made the announcement. So literally, you know, it took ages to complete because I've been trying to buy the practice for a really long time. And like, you know you know what it's like, like lawyers and all that kind of thing. It takes a really long time to sort all that stuff out. Anyways, all was complete, exchange done. And then all of a sudden the national lockdown came. And obviously like 
I, I remember being in the Maldives and COVID was being talked about, but I thought coronavirus was just a bit of a joke. And I remember seeing like loads of tourists walking around in the Maldives wearing signs saying, I'm not Chinese. And I was like, this is really odd, you know? And then all of a sudden people, people, I know I found it mental. And then all of a sudden um, there was all this hype in our hotel and everyone was like, oh, you know, they're thinking about getting everyone to leave the hotel. And I suddenly thought, oh, will dentistry be shut? And I was convinced that we would still stay open or at least they would utilize us as professionals within the scope of um, NHS practice, you know, what was going on in the hospitals, you know, we've got the skills. And I think it was a really difficult time emotionally, financially. Um, I had no idea how to run a practice. I didn't have time to get things um, sorted. But ultimately, what I wanted to do was is that I wanted to just grow the business and then we were stuck at home. And I think as health professionals, I speak for a lot of dentists, we felt really undervalued within the health sphere because we were like, OK, we've been told that we can't do anything yet. We're actually willing to help and go on the front line. I know a lot of us were and we weren't allowed to even do that or even provide emergency care for our patients. So. I think it was probably one of the hardest things I had to deal with in 2020. And I'm very adaptable, as you, as you know, Sai, you know, because we work together. And I try really hard to, you know, move along with adversity and see, you know, see an opportunity in that adversity. And I thought, you know what, Rona, take things online for a bit. Obviously, you were incredibly creative with Parlour and how we could push things online. I, um, you know, was on board with what you were saying. And I took that, I took some of those aspects within like for my own business. So I was doing online consultations. I was doing um, lives. Um, I tried and failed TikTok, still trying and failing TikTok. So You're definitely um, not failing, mate. You're smashing it. <laughs> But ultimately, the thing is, um, it was a difficult time. And I think it's always going to be a difficult time to buy a practice, no matter what position you're in, whether you're overtaking a practice from, you know, in a family situation like you are, or whether you're buying it from, you know, a place where you're working or starting a squat. But I think within the pandemic, it was even harder because it was so testing and I almost felt helpless because I just couldn't be there. And, you know, there was staff turnover, etc. But as I said, I think like anything in life, and not just dentistry you have to adapt you just have to adapt to the environment because life is unpredictable yeah absolutely the only the only thing predictable in life is that it will be unpredictable um which yeah. i think is the best way to look at everything if you if you uh, i was listening to a really interesting podcast recently with Brené brown and simon sinek who i know you know well um and um he um they, 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 <laughs> they were talking about um finite and infinite uh finite and infinite um thinking and um how if you if you think finitely as in finite thinkers try to control everything and they think that they can keep everything it's a game that they can play and there's an end point and you can win it but actually yeah there is no end point you can't win it you can't control it the only thing that you need to be aware of is that everything is going to change and you might think you've got all your ducks in a row and then suddenly everything gets knocked over, which I think has happened to all of us this year. But um, anyway, I mean, you got through it. And I mean, when I say you got through it, you got through it with incredible prowess. How, how you, how's the practice now? How are things going? 
I'm really lucky because I've been busy and I think, I think, you know, they're calling it now. I mean, as you know, I do a lot of stuff with Invisalign and they're calling it now, you know, the Zoom boom because patients now more than ever, I think are valuing healthcare. So I think that number one, they're obsessing over the way their teeth look because they have nothing else to do. Number two, they're constantly faced with their own image. Like right now I'm looking at my face being like, oh God, <laughs> <laughs> like I need a face. End of a hard day of work. Um, And I think the ultimately the thing is, is that patients um, now more than ever are seeing value in healthcare. I think that they're seeking professional opinion and expertise, whereas before they didn't really care. But I think with an onus now on the medical, us relying on the medical field to get us through the pandemic, there's a new kind of found respect in a way for professionals not only from a health perspective, but also a value in the way that they look and the way that they feel and everything like that. So it's growing the business. And I think that we're really lucky because patients are coming in from a value point of view and they're feeling very incentivized to look after themselves. So it has been busy. Sometimes it's overwhelming, I'm not going to lie, because, and I mean, you run a seven surgery practice, which is like mental to me, because sometimes I feel... You, you know, you can't, you want to be in control of everything all the time, but you simply just don't have the brain for it. And with all the other stuff that's going on in our lives, parlor, social life, well, not social life at the moment, but, you know, personal life, family life, all that thing. It's so hard to balance all of that. And I think that's really key. I'm grateful for what's going on in the practice, but I think there's definitely a stressful, darker side to it all that we don't talk about, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, let's definitely get into that because I mean, it is, there is so much stuff. I mean, me and Meg, me and Meg, I'm very lucky in many ways in that I have Megan to co-run it with me. And to be honest with you, when I say co-run, she runs it. Like I I do not do so the large majority. <laughs> I, I don't do the large majority of the administrative side, the administrative side of the practice. Um, but also I'm lucky in the fact that my parents have been there for 35 years. So, and we have team members, a lot of the team members have been there for that whole time. So they, they support me in the fact that I know I can trust them 100%. And I know speaking to a lot of my colleagues and, and, and just in business in general, if you have a few people who care about your business as much as you do, then you're incredibly lucky because most people that work for you will not care about your business as much as you do and that's normal because it's not it's not their business um but it is it's such hard work and when when i know i'm sure you that you're the same you get so many dms from young dentists asking about and i had i did a, a q a on, on instagram recently about um and so many of the questions were from young dentists saying how do i start my own business how do i start my own practice how do i how do i um how do i be a principal and i feel that it's our obligation to um to instill in them the fact that it is it's a double-edged sword it's it's the most rewarding thing I'm so I I could never work for anyone else um but it really makes the dentistry look like the easy bit when you come to to running a a practice of your own 100% I think it's a really interesting one because sometimes I feel that young dentists they really want this kind of like mathematical formula on certain things you know so even sometimes I get questions if I post something clinical being like what composite do you use or what cement do you use or what technician do you use and I'm like 
I feel like you're missing the point almost. And like you're saying, and it's the same with the practice questions, like you're focusing on the things that don't actually ensure that you are successful in the way that you want to be. Because really, the type of compass you use is irrelevant. You know, how to buy a practice is irrelevant or even buying a practice. It's about all the other things that leads to the outcome that you desire. Because the outcome is a great composite, a great veneer case or a successful running practice. So you need to think about all the other aspects that lead to that. And for me, that's so much more on non kind of concrete stuff. It's about the sort of what I call the fairy stuff, which I like, which is about, you know, building trust, building communication, understanding people, investing in courses, you know, practicing and failing, you know, all those different things. So I personally think that, you know, we when you look at somebody that, um, and you want to emulate what they're doing, i.e. owning a practice or doing the kind of dentistry they want to do, you need to understand more about the type of person that that you want to be like is. So what I mean, like, for example, you and I both massively looked up to Miguel Stanley, right? Um, I remember actually you posted a video of Miguel about five or six years ago. And that video was on Vimeo. And this was before social media. And on that video, you had said how inspiring that video was. Now, for me that was really important I actually found him through you but what inspired me about Miguel was his passion was his drive was the motivation what he had built not so much like how did he learn to go speak to the camera you know it's like what did he do no it was about the values portrayal. do you see what I mean and I think that from that I recognize that speaking to an audience is one of the most powerful things that you can do. And that's actually what inspired my journey on social media to like build a profile and so forth. So I think that that's a really key takeaway message, especially for young people. What if you want to achieve something, why is it, you know, and there isn't this basic formula because there's something more to it. And I think it's about understanding that, like knowing your own why. Simon Sinek. Yeah. <laughs> mentioned again um yeah no I, I completely agree and i think it's so easy in in a small tight-knit profession like ours to just look at the people around you and say right what are they doing okay i'm just going to i'm, I'm going to do the same thing and there's so much fomo in dentistry i think in in everything it, when one person does something everyone else feels like they have to do the same thing almost but I completely yeah. agree with what you're saying. Like before you jump into buying a practice just because you think that's the next thing or because before you jump into being exactly. a specialist because you think that's the next thing that you should do because all your mates are doing it. Yeah. You need to look at actually what is your purpose? What is your greater goal? And what do you hope to achieve by going through it? Because buying a practice is not easy. And if you want to get through that hardship, then you need to know why you're doing it. Um, so I think that's a really important thing. But I mean, the yeah, Chelsea Clinic no, seems to be going from strength to strength. What what do you what do you put your what are your key recipes to success? I guess if anyone is who has just bought a practice, let's say, um, or just starting a just starting a small business, even let's take it away from dentistry. What what do you think's been the keys to your success? Because I mean, your your growth. I mean, you built. You built an, as an as an associate as a dentist working in this practice. You built an incredible following and an incredible list, and obviously now it's your own business. But what do you think the keys to your successful growth have been over that time period? 
do you know what? And I will always say this. I will say it is consistency and motivation. And I think you have to really want something to make it work. And you have to be consistent with your new actions. I'm a massive believer in manifestation. I'm sure you are too, Simon. I actually haven't had that conversation with you. But I genuinely no, I believe that you can manifest. We, you can manifest the life that you want and it's so funny because one of my favorite influencers who I always talk about is Melissa's wardrobe and she talks about how she worked in a supermarket um and now she's like living a bougie lifestyle like going on Stormzy's private jet and she like talks about how she she's one of the strongest manifestors and the reason is she says like you can't say oh I want a red Ferrari and then it will appear on your driveway it doesn't really work like that but you have to manifest your intentions. So what I mean by that is, is that I had a vision, I had a very clear vision. And I always have clear vision. So even with parlor and dentistry and relationships and life goals and everything like that, I'm like, this is what I want. And this is what I want. And I actually have a reminder on my phone set every day. And this is a habit that I've done for the last God knows, like six years, where I have a reminder on my phone, which reminds me of the key five things that are important to me as a human being. So, you know, one of them will be kind of like um, respect, health, um, happiness, um, direction, you know, and I've got a fifth one there on my reminder. But the point is, it reminds me every single day of what my goals are, like with every action that I do. And, you know, health, for example, you may say, oh, that's a random one. But for me, if I don't have a day without exercise or, you know, being nutritious, you know, 80 or 90% of the time, I don't feel great. So that's a massive value for me. But I think it's about having a clear vision and working towards that on a subconscious level. So when you're working towards on a subconscious level, like even with parlor, for example, I have a vision in my head of where I want the brand to go and where I want it to be. So therefore, our actions every single day as a business will hopefully reach that goal. It's not like suddenly I'll wake up and that goal is just there, you know, on my doorstep. But I think it's about being consistent with the actions that you need to take, but also willing to pivot. So what that means is that if something doesn't work, and we both know this really well with Parler, you know, as a startup, if something doesn't work, you're willing to go back to your original position, your original goal, your original like motivating factor. And you go, this didn't quite work. We're going to turn it into a different direction slightly to make it work. So I think in a really long rambling way, it's about having a clear vision, knowing what you want, not following the crowd, as you said, just because everyone else is doing it and working towards that vision. I think as well, Simon, for example, with you, you knew that you wanted to do a podcast for ages. And I know we even talked about it um, with regards to Parler, for example, but it's something that you feel extremely passionate about. And whilst everyone's like jumping on the TikTok bandwagon as well, I was thinking, you know, Simon's, I mean, I'm sure you're going to jump on the TikTok eventually, but your passion at the moment lies within this sort of like podcast sphere, which is another influential part of the media world. But the point is is that you've been consistent you have a goal of where you want your podcast to take you you don't listen to the noise around you which is super important and you're being consistent with how often you're doing it you know you're going to be willing to pivot if things don't go in the direction that you want and I think those things are important like really being consistent motivated and having clear goals yeah absolutely there's a there's a stoic philosophy that says if you don't know in what direction you're traveling and you're sailing, then no wind is favourable. And I think that's such a wicked saying because it basically means, basically, if you don't know which direction you're going in, then you might have a really big win. But if you don't know which way you're going, then it may actually be a loss because you're moving in the wrong direction. So 
I think you've you've hit the nail on the head there. And and I, if anything, not going against the grain on what everyone else is doing tends to work in our favour. <laughs> I mean, toothpaste tablets was not in the in the in the in the uh, in the rule book or in the in the training manual for for dental school, right? And um, and that seems to have worked out pretty well for us so far. <laughs> Yeah, but also on that note as well is that we've gone against the grain being one of the, the first social media dentists. You know, we were one of the first ones on the platform and we've gone against the grain because at dental school, we're told that you have to be a person in lab coat that doesn't show any emotion and has to maintain a total sense of professionality. Don't get me wrong. Professionality is everything. But I'm not going to lie. The more that I show character and vulnerability as a human being, the more empathetic my patients are and the more they want to actually come and see me, you know. And I think that that's a really interesting thing because you are almost challenging a, um, a social norm where dentists and doctors have to behave a certain way. And of course, you know, we have to be seen as people that, um, that patients and clients and stuff can come to and, you know, that we have a certain amount of respect and authority. But I think you can also be human as well and that actually makes you more likable as a professional and more trustworthy yeah i mean i literally couldn't couldn't agree more and the the more i've developed as a dentist ignoring the clinical element of it but the more i've developed as a dentist in myself the closer my professional persona and my actual real persona have come to an extent where now i'm almost i'm i am 100 myself when I'm at work, which makes me so happy because I'm actually who I who I'm meant to be all the time. I'm not work Simon and home Simon. I'm the same person the whole time. And that means that for my patients, some patients might not like me, um, just like some people might not like me, but at least I'm being myself and, and those patients that do like me. And we're so lucky with this with social media because we we get the people that are attracted to us, um, the, the sort of people that we are. And so I yeah. personally, what I find is that the large majority of patients that come and see me because they've seen me on social media, I actually get on, I get on with them really well. I, I don't really tend to have patients that I don't have a good relationship with who have seen me on social media because they wouldn't come and see me if they didn't like me. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. Because the thing is, is that they've already got to know you on social media and you've developed, you know, they, they've understood your personality and your persona. So I definitely think that this new wave of dentistry is something to be embraced. Um, it, it's, it's a longer debate than suitable for this podcast, but it's something that I feel really passionate about. And the funny thing is, is that, you know, even recently, you know, my TikToks are a bit ridiculous that I've been posting on Instagram, but patients have been messaging me being like, right, that's it. This TikTok video has confirmed that I really want to come to you because you're hilarious and <laughs> I love it. And it's great. And I'm like, right. Okay. And, you know, and I think, and, and I think, I think it really, it really demonstrates, um, it really demonstrates, you know, the new age thinking. And I actually even saw a doctor today, one of my really good friends, Dr. Wasim, um, he actually uh, posted a screenshot where a patient, a, a potential client wrote on his, to him, and he, he'd screenshotted it, saying, um, oh, I love how you're embracing change as a doctor. It's And these videos are really funny. And I think, you know, we really forget that people want to see us as human beings as well. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I think it's I think it's really important. And I think it is it is such a positive thing. It's been such a great thing for, for both of our businesses, I think, um, 
what's the what's the negative side of it? I always talk about social media as a as a double edged sword, and I'm very keen to to be as honest and real as we can be on this on this chat. What how have you? I mean, I'm sure you get a fair amount of trolling. How are you dealing with that? I know I've got a very, very thin skin. I'm not very good at dealing with trolls at all. And Megan will tell you that. And so will Miguel, because I've had many conversations over the years with him about this, because I know that he's struggled with it. But how do you, how do you deal with the trolls online? Okay, so um, I'm glad that you're real, Simon, because it's so important to be real. Um, I'm going to try and not get emotional about it. And I don't actually want to give trolls any more of a platform than they already have. We're human beings and no matter what you do, just because you put yourself out there, it doesn't mean you have to expect or deserve hate or negative comments. And I think the worst thing is, is that trolls by definition, did you know what a troll is? It's not actually a person like, you know, when you had like sort of those Barbie dolls and you had those like trolls that look like trolls. That's not actually what trolls are. Trolls come from, trolls comes from the word trolling when it comes to fishing. So when you're basically like trolling along so that the fish basically wants to bite on something and then you can drag them along. So that's where the word actually originates from. And in my in that case, it means that these people are saying something for a reaction. They are saying something so that they can string you along and they're waiting for you to bite, basically, to the bait that they're giving. It's really, really, really hard. And I've had a really tough time. And unfortunately, as my profile is building, I think that it's getting worse and worse. I think the last six months has been the worst time of my life. I've had... Uh, on Christmas Day, I was really sick with COVID at home with my sister and I had a troll um, troll me and I reported it to Instagram three months ago because the username um, was, you know, available. I mean, it was a fake username. Instagram said, oh, we've researched this and there's nothing wrong with it. And it was, you know, they were using expletives and being really offensive. And on Christmas Day, they were then trolling my mum and my sister um, with stuff about me and then change their name and then put stuff on and you know they're not only attacking they're attacking my physical appearance they're attacking um how I was born with a silver spoon in my mouth like you know all this stuff and you can ignore as much as you want and delete and I think Simon you can relate as well there is a part of you sometimes that just feels so hurt and you're like you doubt yourself you know like you're a human being um and I've I try and ignore I think the best thing that you can do and you know some people go congratulations you have a troll it means that you're you're successful and I'm like you know it, it's it, it's scary because the thing is is that I want to put myself out there beyond social media you know in other senses you know on other platforms and you know I want to put myself out there but this stuff makes you feel like you just want to hide away and it's funny because I treat some of the most influential influencers in the UK and celebrities and some of them online and offline you know they come to me privately and when I talk to them about it they're like the worst thing you can do is bow down to these trolls because that's what they want and what you have built is so much stronger and that 95% of people that love what you're doing um are the ones that are worthy. 
I do think as well that there's something to be said. I do think women get trolled more by other women. Um, I don't. I think. I don't think I've ever been trolled by a male. If I'm honest with you, I don't think I've never had a problem with any. Uh, the 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 terminologies that the trolls use suggest that it's a woman because it's always about the way I look. If that makes sense, or something that that you wouldn't imagine a man noticing or caring about. Um, so it shows again, you know, how much society has has to work on when it comes to the relationships between kind of females amongst each other and the way that you know other females perceive females that put themselves out there so it's it's a really interesting one and I think that I'm not I'm getting a bit stronger but I'm still not invincible and I just think that there needs to be something done um off online about these people that are keyboard warriors because you know, they ruin people's lives. They really do. And, you know, I, I'm lucky enough that I've not got to the stage where I want to do something really harmful to myself. But, you know, we only need to look at someone like Caroline Flack, who got cancelled, you know, to understand the impact that it can have on people's mental health. You know, it was ultimately, you know, the, the trolls and the media exposure. And I think that dentistry now, with us putting ourselves out there, we're also at that risk of being scrutinized like celebrities in a way because you're putting yourself out there right and I just think that if you do want to go onto this social media journey or put yourself out there you need to be prepared that it's not all good we're not going to put I'm not going to put those moments of me having a breakdown and crying and trying to get rid of a troll and not being able to but it is part and part of it is like part of the process it's part of it's what comes with the territory and unfortunately you have to find a coping mechanism. I'm not saying that I have, but I'm not going to say it doesn't happen to me <laughs> or anyone else, anyone else successful that I know. Yeah, I think the only I think the only continuity is that it it pretty much happens to anyone who has a high profile. So uh, we mentioned it before, but let's let's talk about Parlor. Um, it's been a bit of a whirlwind experience, I think, for for all of us involved, me, you, and Ads. Uh, over the last well I guess it was was it the start of 2019 yeah. but I mean t tell me about why don't you tell our listeners about what why we started it what it's all about and uh, and what your experience of it's been so far okay so I have to say and I'm not just saying this because you're my business partner you took me out of a comfort zone and you continue to take me out of a comfort zone and I think that I am really lucky to have you as a business partner because I genuinely think that you have something that not a lot of people have. Now, after gassing up Simon for like three minutes, 30 seconds, I'm going to go into why. Um, we came to each other because both of us have been approached by lots of different companies to be ambassadors, do uh, partnerships and all that kind of thing. And Simon, I think, has a knack for recognizing successful people around him and wanting to, you know, partner up because I think you recognize the power of collaborations, partnerships, um, and you realize that, you know, people in numbers can work to your strength. And I think that that's another important kind of top tip, guys, also going back to the conversation that we had about, you know, achieving goals and being successful is definitely hang out and associate yourself with people that you feel will, you know, bring you up and inspire you. Anyways, Simon then had come to me and said, listen, Rona, 
we always get approached um, for different things. You know, have you ever thought about doing something together? And I have to be honest, I was so scared. I literally was like, this is way out of my comfort zone. I can't develop a product. Do I sit in a chemistry lab? Is this going to be like breaking bad? Do I have to sit with test tubes? I just didn't really understand how the whole thing worked. And um I always was looked up to really, really inspiring entrepreneurs in my life. So, for example, I know Patrick Drake from HelloFresh and his story of how he left banking and then started HelloFresh. Dan Murray as well, how he left a nine to five job and started two businesses. My life. So again, the whole subconscious manifestation was being obsessed with the minds of these entrepreneurs and how they made things work. And I didn't think that I could ever be part of that. I don't think I could ever be that entrepreneur. And actually, I always wanted to be because I was so inspired by those people. And Simon pushed me towards that. So when you had come to me, I was umming and ahhing, as you know. And Adash had also come to me asking me if I was interested in doing a product or, you know, a line together. And I said, you know what, let's all meet up. So we all met up together. And, you know, we had a very fun dinner at Soho House. I remember it really well. And we came up with ideas and we decided that toothpaste tablets would be the future because um, Simon being very eco-conscious as well was really devastated at the plastic impact, um, not only within the dental industry but also what the dental industry and the impact that has on the world and I live with my sister who is like a kind of like channeling Ibiza hippie sort of vibe and so you know she has had introduced me to the recycling world and really educated me on to how we can make change so we were all sort of on that level of like we want to make a difference and we want to create a product that's in line with our ethics but also something that's going to be a game changer so we came up with the concept of tablets and we had researched, you know, how people brush their teeth not using toothpaste. And, you know, we we then, I mean, I don't even know, but like Adosh knows everyone and all of a sudden we had a lab and then we were able to give them a formula and, you know, it took ages. But I think, as I said, having a business partner like yourself that scrutinizes detail and notices things that I wouldn't necessarily notice is incredibly important and I think that ultimately the three of us as a business bring something really unique to the table because we're all incredibly different I would say that I'm the most non-detail orientated person in the world so I always just think about the end goal and not not the details you know as in like and not the details whereas Simon massively is a detail orientated person so he'll really notice things and Adash is the numbers guy so he he notices details about numbers but not not necessarily the other other aspects so it's an interesting combination and certainly guys I think when you have if you're thinking about opening a business and having it, you have to understand that certain personality types may complement each other well, but it doesn't necessarily mean there aren't going to be moments of stress and friction because different personality types are like, I work this way, why don't you work this way? But ultimately, I think the most important thing is, is open communication. And we have we have had an open communication, open policy. Let's talk it out. You know, if we've got something on our minds, let's just be open to it, work around it. 
And I think that that's been the most interesting part of the journey because building the Dr. Rona brand and the Chelsea Dental brand, it was almost like building a one-man band because I was just concerned with myself, my own vision and the way that I do and handle things. Whereas working with you and Adarsh is different. I've had to change things, pivot. I have to try and see things from a different point of view. And having a product as well is completely different, especially a product that is getting people to change the habit of a lifetime because you need to make them see your vision you need social proof and you know all these things take time so it's been one hell of a journey but I think it's also been an incredible journey and something that's taught me life skills that I would have never learned just doing dentistry alone yeah absolutely I think I think the really important thing for me with Parla because it it is such a big moonshot I mean we want we want to be we want to change the toothpaste industry forever we want to we want to be the next oral be only super ethical and uh, built on on clean ingredients and sustainable packaging and, and actually really changing the way that everyone brushes their teeth on a day-to-day basis but we know that's a massive ambition and so even if it does fail which it might do I really hope it doesn't and it's it's going so well but I really hope it doesn't um, but it may and if it does then at least like I, I, I to reflect back what you said I've learned so much from you I've learned so much from ads and I think for anyone who's looking at embarking on a startup, embarking on, if you call it a side hustle or whatever it is, actually to be to be working with individuals who you feel you can learn from, you build relationships which you can then potentially go on to future ventures together. Actually, even if that that primary ambition fails, you haven't failed. You've still you, either you win or you learn. Those are the two options. There's no. There's no negative outcome. And I think having that changed thought process around failure is is a really important thing, especially for dentists, because failure is such a a, a part of all of our uh, all of our careers. And it's very easy to um, it's very easy to get very down when things fail, but everything fails. So you need to accept it and actually embrace it. Do you know what? And I think the other thing is, is that you need to recognize as well that parlor is getting people to change the way that they think they th- they think and also changing a habit and even if the brand itself you know doesn't survive which again we hope it does and it is going in the way that we want it to it's the fact that you can say that you've challenged people's perceptions is sort of good enough for me because I read stories all the time about how people change perceptions. And, you know, one of my favorite stories is actually about Oatly um, because Oatly's actually been around for like 20 years. And the last two years, it's absolutely changed the way people drink coffee and tea. And I literally have to have oat milk latte every day. But the point is, is that if they, this was 20 years ago when it was started. So none of the original founders are even like involved. And having a startup and having a business like this is different. And I think, Simon's right you've got to get rid of that obsessive control like we do with dentistry you we love control in dentistry and actually you know I was doing some research for another presentation I'm doing and one of the reasons why dentistry has the highest suicide rate is also because dentistry dentists scrutinize their actions and their outcomes so much that they can't cope on a psychological level so you know, be rest assured, we're doing a lot better than a lot of people. So it's okay, you know, sometimes to be like, you know what, this didn't work. And I learned from it. And I'm cool. Absolutely. And and as you say, I mean, 
and we've seen some stuff today around this, haven't we, with Parler? But um, even if if we're not the ones that make it the whole way, if we change if we change the way people look at this issue, because it is a really major issue. Like I genuinely could not use normal toothpaste tubes now, knowing that they last for five hundred years gradually breaking down into our ecosystem in the same way that I don't use single-use water bottles anymore and I use my recyclable water bottle instead. Um, it, it, once, you, once you have that education, it's, it's very difficult to go back to the old way of doing things. But as I say, even if we're not the ones that, that make it the whole way, at least we've, we've made an impact and, and hopefully a positive impact for, for humankind because the climate crisis issue is something that scares the hell out of me especially with one daughter and another child on the way if if the if the predictions come true as to the outcome that we have in front of us then we we have a really major issue on our hands and it's it's up to all of us to make that that one small change i guess absolutely and we will brilliant okay (laughs) we will we're working on it we're working hard um okay let's talk about um it's an old topic for me to bring up, but I want to talk about it because I think it's really, really important. Um, and it's about um, like the gender gap. Female empowerment is something that I know is really, really important to you and supporting other women and, uh, and, and building other women up, certainly in dentistry and, and outside of dentistry as well. What, what are your thoughts on that? What, do you think that there's a gender gap in dentistry, for example, do you feel that you have challenges that I don't have, for example, as a woman in dentistry? Um, what, what are your thoughts on that in 2021? Okay, really, really, really interesting questions because I think there's a difference. So I have never felt as a female disempowered by my male colleagues in dentistry. Both of my business partners, i.e. you and ads, are male. I work with a lot of men in the practice. I... Um, you know, my website designer Prav is male. I get on really well with males and I've never felt at a disadvantage or disempowered. Um, in fact, you know, even when I spoke up um, about a year and a half ago to um, Christian, well, I spoke up about a woman not being involved in this sort of dentistry online conference thing and Chris I didn't Christian Coachman actually sent me a message saying you know I really admire you for speaking up and challenging why women aren't part of this because you know we need more female leaders so in short I felt very supported by men within the profession I know a lot of females don't feel that and actually when I've said that I've been challenged by dental females saying oh well you're lucky you've had a good experience that's not the experience that I've had do I feel that I'm a disadvantage as a female in general bar dentistry yes and I have to be honest with you about that um one of the reasons is because as I said I feel that females get more trolls and hate online than males because there's so many different stigmas associated with being a woman um I feel particularly as a Middle Eastern woman, um, there's a lot more stigma as well associated. I feel it's been more challenging being a Middle Eastern woman. And again, that's because like of these random comments and views that I get from narrow-minded people, you know, saying you shouldn't wear that, you're Middle Eastern, you shouldn't do this, you're Middle Eastern. And that's more of a that's more of a cultural thing. You're a woman from the Middle East. You're a woman. like So that's more of a kind of cultural disadvantage as a woman. Do you see what I mean? Whereas if I was a male Middle Eastern, it would be probably easier. Um, 
I find it difficult sometimes as well because I'm at that stage in my life where I'm thinking about having a family and moving in with my partner and all that kind of thing in the next stage of life. And I actually get anxiety about the fact that I feel like I physically cannot look after a child and run the business the way that I am running the business. Something has got to give. I will need to give up stuff. I will need to spend less time building up my media profile. I will need to spend less time on X, Y, and Z because a woman will look after a child, you know, and obviously I'm excited about that part of my life, but I'm frustrated because I'm like, why can't he have the child? <laughs> you know what I mean? So, so I think that certainly there is a challenge in that sense to being a female. And I think that there's also now too much pressure to bounce back, you know, and I'm sure Megan has felt this as well. Um, in a way, you know, you have a child and you're expected to be back at work on your feet, looking after people running around, like getting your body back in shape. Like there's so much pressure now as a woman to look a certain way, to bounce back from like a body to run a career and a family and I think these are unrealistic expectations almost like body dysmorphia promotion by fitness influencers online who got scrutiny like the women that can like run a career run the world and run a family it's unrealistic do you know what I mean and I think that I feel sometimes at a disadvantage because I feel we're not being real you know do you think those are expectations that you have of yourself or do you think they're expectations from others I think that, again, the dark side of social media is that certain, the way people portray their lives, certain people portray their lives creates an expectation of women, like I said. Like you'll see maybe a career savvy social media person that then has a baby, her body's perfect within a month, she's running her business, she's running a family and she's just showing the highlights of all of that. And I think that creates an unrealistic expectation and I think there's been that conversation online. Um, I think that I'm going to try and move away from that because I know myself and I actually have suffered from burnout. I've had glandular fever brought on from stress and burnout. And I can get things that cause my body to basically just break down um, from stress and break down from these aspects. So when, when the time comes in my life where I'm going to have to give up the whole like alpha career thing for a bit, I'm okay with it because I think it's just something I want to do. I know I want to have a family and I know that I want to give as much as I give my work, give to my work. So I think I'll do that. But because I've completely like derailed within the dental industry, I think that if as a female you are more vocal and to the right male audience, they will support you and empower you as well. And I think that the male dentists now recognize the importance of a female voice within the industry to kind of move things forward. And as I said, I've never felt by any of my business partners, colleagues, associates, disempowered or shut down. Well, that's great. Great, great to hear as, as your business partner. Um, but I mean, what, what, what do you think... What do you, you think? I mean, you've spoken a lot there about everything that you're doing, that you've pushed yourself to positions of burnout and stress. What do you think drives you to, to, to have to push yourself so hard? Because as dentists, you, well, you could quite easily work three days a week and uh, not do any social media and still have a successful career. What do you think drives you so hard um, 
to push yourself to that level. And I, and I don't say this in a negative way because I'm exactly the same. Um, and so I'm hoping that maybe you have an answer that I haven't found yet. But <laughs> what, what do you think drives you? I mean, what do you, what's your purpose, do you think? What's your goal? I really don't want to sound cheesy, but I was reading a book and watching a documentary with Reggie Yates and um, it's it talks about leaving it talks about leaving a legacy and I, I mean I know it sounds so cheesy but I don't kind of want to leave my profession or the world as it were not having made some kind of impact or difference to the way that things are currently practiced. So for example, when I set out on social media or even like embarking on the relationships that I have now with journalists and press. I didn't do it because I was like, I want to be in the newspaper or I want to be on TV or I want to be verified on Instagram. I started that journey because I thought I want to change people's perceptions of dentistry. I want to change the way dentists interact with patients so that we can totally challenge and change what society expects of us. And I think that, you know, if I'm if I'm remembered for one of the dentists that helped change the game on a kind of bigger scale, that's what drives me every single day. And that's what I think. And I think beyond the patients that I treat in the clinic, you're reaching thousands and hopefully eventually millions of people on these platforms that can reach wider audiences. That's what drives me every day. And obviously, increasing all of the the interactions on Instagram and then getting on TikTok and then, you know, YouTube and whatever it is that I plan to do. I want to increase my chances of reaching as many people as possible and making them feel like this is one of the dentists that changed the game. And I guess that's in a way leaving a legacy, but I'm not saying that in an arrogant way because I don't think I'm like really important. It's just because I genuinely want to make a difference. Yeah, I think that's that's super important that, that that you have that bigger ambition. I mean, we're very lucky in dentistry that actually we get to make a difference to an individual's life on a day-to-day basis. Um, and we we have those amazing moments where someone turns a mirror around and starts crying because they're they're so happy with the confidence that you've given them, and that's that's not something to be um, to be belittled in any way. But yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm the same way in that I'm driven I'm driven by something greater. And to be honest with you the thing that's been the really revelationary thing for me in the last few few years is that Parlour has become this big thing for me, so much bigger than I was expecting it to be, where actually I think that that is potentially where we could make the biggest legacy of all because we could genuinely make the world a significantly better place and and protect it for the next generation. No, I was just saying that I had that epiphany too because I know that when you and I were walking around a few months ago for a very life-changing moment within the parlour situation, which you guys will find about, I said to Simon, (laughs) yeah, I said to Simon, this is something that genuinely could change the lives of so many people and it's a real calling. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So uh, you mentioned before their um, mental health burnout and you mentioned earlier in the day about fitness, and I know that's something that we both share a big passion for. What, what, are, what are the daily routines you have to, to keep yourself on the straight and narrow from a mental health point of view? Do you, have a, do you have a morning routine? You mentioned those five, that little notification that you have, but what else, what else are you up to to keep yourself um, fighting fit? So for me, exercise is a non-negotiable. It's therapy. My personal trainer is literally like my therapist. 
um, you know, getting that endorphin boost, like literally, and I'm a morning person, I can't exercise at the end of the day, but it just sets your mind straight. I love to also listen to a podcast that isn't or a audiobook that's non-related to dentistry because I think it's important to get yourself and head out of that sphere. Um, for example, I'm listening now to Matthew McConaughey's audiobook. I don't know if you've heard it, but I love it. And I find his voice so engaging. Um, but listening yeah. is to that, someone is that like green him, lights? Yeah, I mean, he's just such a good storyteller. Um but listening to something like that, like even if it's just like 15, 20 minutes of an audiobook to take your mind away and transport you to another world or another time, I really enjoy doing that. And also having a list, um, a to-do list for the day. I mean, you don't want to get bogged down with to-do list, but I know that if I have like five things on that list, I'm responsible for achieving those things in that day. And then I feel a sense of achievement and empowerment because I know that, you know, it was in my within my control. And it's not major things. It's be like, do this email or contact this person or, you know, um, do this report. So just so that you know. So I, and I try to do like a list of no longer than like five things because I don't want to get overwhelmed. And the next day can be a list of other things. How, how many of those things at the moment are TikToks? Because you're bashing out so many TikToks and I just, it must take you so much time to do. <laughs> it, it is a genuine question. It's doing, so, doing social media content, I'm sure lots of people, because I think it's really important to talk about the, the reality of this because I know a lot of I know a lot of people who literally will spend the day doing just doing content creation so does it take you a lot of time is it stuff that you I mean you must be you, you're very creative with your especially with your newer TikToks well in general but especially with your newer TikTok stuff um is that something that just comes to you like is it something that requires a lot of work from your end how does it how does it come to be Basically, I find it really, I do find it quite stressful, I have to admit, I have to admit, but what I've decided to do is TikTok have said that, you know, you need to be posting at least two or three times a day to try and um, elevate your profile, basically. I'm, I'm literally not doing that well on it, by the way, but my, it's working well on Reels, so I'm, I'm glad that I've got that engagement. But anyways, um, so what I do is I actually spend about 20 minutes recording a TikTok um, every morning and I'll do about two or three videos and I won't upload them until like later on or I might spend... Um, you know, even for Instagram and things like that, like I'll have like drafts of different things. So actually, if I don't have time to think about a post like an hour or half an hour before, I've almost got a bank of um, content. And, you know, we do that with Parlor as well. So we'll have an entire content day where we can throw out the content over a period of time. So I think if you set in your mind like a Friday or a Saturday or Sunday to create actual content, then you can... Um, then you can actually, then what you can do is, is that you can just post it as needed. It takes time, guys. And to be honest, like I'm not an influencer in the sense that I have patients that make genuine money and livings off, you know, off actually creating content but they spend hours and days and editing and full-on makeup. I mean, right now, zero makeup like I didn't know Simon was recording my face but you know like this kind of stuff this kind of stuff to create um this kind of stuff this kind of stuff to create um 
really high quality content is a full-time job and I would say I probably spend like two or three hours once a week doing it and just have a bank of content that I release later on and if it's throwaway content where I don't care about what it looks like or whatever and I'm just trying to engage with the algorithm I'll just do it spontaneously between patients <laughs> yeah I think it's really important that people know how much work goes into these things otherwise it's very easy to think how do they look so good and how is it so well captured and how's the lighting so good and it's like well because they literally have spent three hours setting up that scene <laughs> i was actually really good at drama at school just an fyi so that's why my lip miming and lip syncing and memorizing lines is quite good <laughs> there you go that's why I, i'm obviously not very good at it <laughs> um so one last thing before we get into the quick fire round you mentioned fitness there what what has been the um and I'm on exactly the same page as you. Fitness is a non-negotiable for me. Just like seeing my first patient in the morning, um, it's something that has to be built into every day for me, for my mental health, but also for my physical health so that um, I can live to 120. Um, but what fitness, uh, what exercises have you found to be the most disproportionately beneficial for you um, in, in health and in, in wellness? really really interesting one I feel that weight training and resistance training has given me the most confidence and transformation in physique but I feel that anything hit based or outdoor where I feel the air hitting my face has helped my mental health so on Wednesdays at the moment I'm training at Paddington Rec um Paddington, Paddington Recreation um, which is basically like a running grounds near my house and the personal trainer comes and trains me and honestly I trained in the snow like a week and a half ago whenever it was snowing and then I trained in the rain this week but I don't care because the benefits it gives me of being outdoors and getting that like um, endorphin rush and that adrenaline rush and for me it just my mind feels incredible for the first like you know few hours of the day i'm literally on high yeah i saw that i saw those track track videos that looked really cool actually you see the woman running running the way <laughs> <laughs> okay cool well let's get into rapid fire round now then so um so i'm just gonna i'm just gonna rattle through these um couple of words on each one and um yeah i'll be interested to hear your i actually don't know what your answers are to these uh, to these questions so i'm quite interested to hear them so um first one what is your uh, what is the book that you would choose that's that's had the most impact on you what's what's your favorite book of all time i'm gonna be really random catcher in the rye oh really wow because you know what it was the first book i read about the coming of age and for me that just really resonated with the time of my life and i still always remember it brilliant love it i was not expecting that <laughs> Um, okay, what what poster did you have on your wall as a teenager, teenage Rona? Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. I was obsessed with him and the Spice Girls, both those. You must have loved Mel B coming in then. <laughs> oh my God, my, my, my literally, my 12-year-old self was living her best life when she came in, literally. <laughs> um, what, would your, what would your last meal be? Oh, God, I'm going to be really boring, but I absolutely love lobster. So I think it would be lobster. No, no, I'm going to change it, actually. It's going to be grilled octopus. I love grilled octopus, Greek style. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, we are literally the same person. That's my favourite my favorite meal. 
Um, love. What is the best gig? What is the best gig or musical live event that you've been to? Do you know what? I went to the Drake concert at the O2 and it was amazing. I loved it. But I'm not really a gig person. I'm more of a theatre person. I love theatre, believe it or not. I didn't know that about you. What's what's the best play you've been to? Oh, definitely, hands down, People, Places and Things. It's the, one of the most beautiful plays I've ever seen in my entire life. I've never heard of it. Is it is it in the West End? Simon, yes. And it's basically about a um, alcoholic that checks herself into rehab and her struggle with trying to kind of deal with that and the people that she interacts with in rehab. And it's really beautifully done. But for me, there's something that makes me feel so alive watching people and their emotions on stage, you know, whilst they're in front of you. For me, it's more powerful than film, actually. So that's why I'm very passionate about it. Awesome. I did not know that about you. That's really cool. Okay. And Last one for rapid fire round. What are you most grateful for right now? I am most grateful for my support bubble right now. So that includes my friends and family that are basically getting me through this pandemic and helping, you know, keeping me sane. But I think really there's nothing more important than human support and, you know, human love around you to get you through anything in life. 100%. Couldn't agree more. Okay, final question, the question that I asked to all of the guests on the podcast. Um, what is the one small change that you've made that you wish you made earlier in life? I think that one of my changes is saying no, definitely saying no to things. So what I mean is, is that, you know, going back to what you had said, where you had said a lot of people feel that they need to jump on the bandwagon when they see something or typically if you get given an opportunity you have to say yes and whether that's being invited for dinner or asked being asked to do a lecture or a podcast or you know an online something you're like oh my god this is an opportunity I have to do I have to do it and then I've realized actually that you know being the busiest person in the world is not a badge of honor it doesn't define your success and actually having ability to say no to things to reserve your energy for things that actually matter to you is extremely powerful and I think that's that's one of the greatest change that I've made in the last six months again six to six to twelve months yeah it's a really it's a really difficult one and I, I've definitely struggled with it myself and I still I still slip up sometimes and say yes to stuff that yeah, <laughs> I then later think I wish I had said no to <laughs> Um, because things always seem or things always seem really easy when you when you say yes to something it seems like a like it's not a big deal and then it comes around to it and it actually ends up taking up so much of your time and you think well actually I'd just rather be at home with my family like what am I what am I doing here so yeah that's yeah. a really good one brilliant Rhodes well I could I could I could carry on this chat for hours but um we'll have to get you back on the show and uh and uh, and restart the conversation when Parla's moved on um moved on further through its evolution but uh thank you so much for for coming on the show and uh i'm sure the listeners have, have got loads of value out of that chat and and uh, if they don't know you hopefully got to know the real rona um even better and i've learned some some new stuff about you as well i didn't know you loved theater so much thank you simon as always for being an amazing presenter and friend and i'm really excited to watch more episodes because i love 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 the podcast so far Oh, thanks so much, mate. All right, catch you later. Bye. Hi, guys. Simon again here. Just one more thing before you guys go. 
Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. I really hope it gave you an immense amount of value. If I could ask just one thing of you all, please subscribe to the podcast. Please share it. Please write a review if you enjoyed it. Please talk to your friends about it. The bigger the podcast gets, the better the guests I can get on and the more value I can give back to you all. So that's it from me. I'll see you on the next one. And until next time, enjoy the ride.